All right. Well, listeners, this week... Uh, no, wait. I forgot to swap out ad reads. Okay. <laughs> oh, I 100% intended to do that thing that I have not done. Let me pull up the new ad reads. Uh, not audible. So is Andrew listening to us? Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Todd Mack, and I'm Joseph Tarowski. This week we're talking about Charles Christopher from the webcomic The Abominable Charles Christopher. Todd, I like that we're talking about comic because we both hit a Comic-Con this last weekend. Yes. And this was your first Comic-Con, was it not? It was. It was my first uh, my first uh, trip to Mecca. All right. Your reaction. What was Comic-Con like for you? I thought it was amazing. It was... <laughs> it was... Um, it was, like, fun and funny and interesting and... Uh, inspirational and like, anyway, it was just, it was really, there were, there was so many amazing things. I thought yeah. it was really cool. We did get some panic texts from you a little before, cause, uh, producer Andrew and I have been to a couple comic cons and you were like, uh, I don't have a costume or anything. <laughs> Are most people in cosplay? Well, my students were trying to, they were trolling me. They were totally, they told me, oh, if you don't go in cosplay, you'll totally stand out and everybody will think you're a total loser for being there and not. And I like, I mean, I want to respect, I want to respect the event, you know, and go dressed appropriately for the event. But I really didn't want, <laughs> I really didn't want to like, like come up with a costume. And, uh, so you thankfully reassured me that I would be okay. And, and I was worst case scenario. You were going cosplay as a muggle. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was a muggle. Uh, it turned out that I was uh, I was dressed as Mary Lightly, which I didn't know until I I realized <laughs> that my lunch was a can of sardines. Mary Lightly, uh, Lightly listeners, is a reference to our Psych episode from a few back. Yep. Um, I thought it was yeah. amazing. I went to the R two. So as I was walking in, I this um this guy was was driving his remote control uh R two unit an R two D two. Like full size, completely to specs, beautiful, like R two D two, and and I felt like I was seven again. I was completely mesmerized by by this droid, and everybody was taking pictures with it. And I took some video, and then I went to my first panel, and it was totally boring. And I was like, I think I'm gonna go over to the R two Builders Club, and I did. It was amazing. It was so cool, and it was just all like. Everything was great after that. Yeah, it was really I, cool. I enjoy Comic Con in a way that I also like enjoy going to a football game. Like I like being with a huge group of people that are doing something they love that makes them happy, and mm -hmm. like that happiness is contagious, whatever it may be. Um, so, I thought one thing that I was I was kind of surprised by is how inspirational it was. Like almost all of the panels that I went to were really like the the people that were there were very they were encouraging and really upbeat and and it, there was this great message of like get out there and do stuff you know <laughs> and like i think sometimes for nerds that's a really good message like 
You know, like don't just sit and dream about being Harry Potter, but go out and like really do something awesome along with that, you know, like, and it was, I thought, I just thought it was really, really inspirational. And, um, so anyway, it was, it was, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I would totally go back in a heartbeat. Well, glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I've, I haven't been to too many Comic Cons, but those that I've been to, I have also thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, as we said at the top, this week we're going to be talking about the mute Sasquatch slash Yeti slash Bigfoot creature that is the star of Carl Kershaw's online comic, The Abominable Charles Christopher. This webcomic began in June 2007 and has received basically weekly updates up till the present day. I know there are a couple stretches where he takes time off when he's working on projects for DC Comics that take more of his time. Where you either get um, some fill-in issue or, or fill-in updates on the week where another artist is just telling a moment within the Charles Christopher universe. Or I think there was a lengthier break when he was um, doing a bigger project for DC Comics. But I know it's still being updated uh, as recently as last Wednesday, I think it was. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Todd, how did you first discover the abominable Charles Christopher? Well, uh, you and I, <laughs> not very long ago... <laughs> We're brainstorming uh, comics that we could do, and you said, hey, I've heard that this thing is pretty good. And I was like, uh, okay, I've never heard of it, but <laughs> I trust your – I have come to trust your judgment over the years. And uh, so I just uh, pulled it out on my iPad and uh, took a, I don't know, maybe an hour or two and read through this first part that we're going to talk about. And uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's – yeah, it's very simple. Be- I would say beautifully, beautifully drawn. And, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, uh, I first encountered it, I want to say, probably uh, like five years ago, and I read a bunch then. Uh, probably about the same amount that we read for this discussion today. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just for whatever reason, like I lost track of it and forgot to go read the updates. And But it's something that's always kind of lingered in the back of my mind. And when we started doing this podcast, I thought maybe we'd get around to it. And now we have. Here we are. All right, before we move on, I would like to tell you listeners about something awesome, and that is how you can support us doing this podcast. And to (laughs) us, that is awesome. Uh, The easiest way and the way that we most appreciate, well, okay, we appreciate all the ways that you support us, and that includes giving us some ratings on iTunes and uh, our generous patrons who uh, make some monthly donations. But another way that everyone can just do it uh, without even thinking about it is by using the Amazon link, protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. You will all order stuff on Amazon at some point during the year. When you do that, just please use protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. And when you do that, it looks the same as regular Amazon. It costs the same as regular Amazon to you, but we just get a little kickback from Amazon because we're sending you their way, even though you're already going there anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, a really useful way to remember to do this is to just make... Um, protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, one of your quick links on your web browser. So you can just click there anytime you are making that impulse purchase of, you know, 40 pens or whatever it is that you happen to need at any moment. I would say at this time of year, like it's perfect. It, like Halloween. I think a lot of people buy stuff on Amazon for Halloween, like uh, decorations, costumes. costumes, adult costumes. Yeah. By adult, I mean like for grownups, not like 
adult. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't gonna go there. But, but you can get those also. I was on just gonna. I was just gonna give I'm you sure a pass that. on that one. But. You can get just about everything on Amazon. Yeah. So uh, use the link. I mean, yeah, it's it helps us out a lot. All right. Well, Todd, will you give our listeners a quick synopsis of what Abominable Charles Christopher is? This is the story of, uh, as we said, a Sasquatch, Yeti, uh, Abominable Snowman type uh, character. And his name is Charles Christopher, and he's mute. And he wanders around the forest and meets lots of little animal friends who are not mute. And they talk, and they often say very funny things. Yeah, very verbose woodland creatures. Yes. Uh, who are all, I mean, I think it's important to say, the, the style of this art, it's, um, like you said, it's beautiful, but like the, the creatures are pretty realistically rendered. They just happen to have very verbose word balloons above their heads. Yes. Um, yep. so it's, except for Charles Christopher, who, I, how would you describe <laughs> Charles Christopher's appearance? Um, well, this is part of what I wanted to get into later, but uh, he is a giant Sasquatch. <laughs> He's a big, hairy guy. He's kind of bald. He's got um, kind of a football-shaped head. Yeah, I mean he's not he's not beautiful. No. <laughs> uh, but there are some beautiful he, panels with him in them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's really interesting because it's like um, there is no comeliness in him, right? Like he's just uh, he's not much to look at, except that the way that he's drawn is is kind of uh, beautiful, and he's in he's in a beautiful world, and mostly the way that he acts is. Is really, I mean, he's just a gentle giant. Yeah, I like that description. All right, a little bit of trivia about the abominable Charles Christopher. It posts a new page every Wednesday. And by new page, it could be like a four-panel sequence or even just a splash page image. Or I think the lengthiest one was probably like ten panels, at least in this sequence. Yeah. Mo- most of them are probably four to eight panels, would you say? It goes really fast. Yeah, I, we... I think we both probably read through over a year's worth of these posts with it less than an hour, would you say, yeah. Todd? Yep, absolutely. Uh, it was nominated for the 2010 Eisner Award, which is the comic industry's kind of Oscars for Best Digital Comic, and it also won the 2011 Eisner Award for Best Digital Comic. So it is uh, an award-winning comic, uh, well-respected by, its, uh, by other workers within the comic book industry. And you can see this because when uh, Carl Kirschel had to take a break for a little bit, again, because of some other projects that he was working on, I think for DC Comics, uh, it's some big names within the comic book industry that, that do some filling in. Like Scotty Young, who's one of our favorite artists, correct, Andrew? Yeah, uh, yeah, he is always good. Yeah, Scotty Young's always great. And he fills in for, you know, just randomly, you, you click the arrow for the next page, and it's, oh, that's Scotty Young art right there. Wow. Uh, Kershaw says uh, right on the front page of his website, he says, oh, you know, hi, my name's Carl. I make comics. I've done. And then he just says this. His resume is really quite good. <laughs> I mean, he's done a lot of really great stuff. And then he says, but this is my favorite. That's <laughs> like, wow. Like he's done Superman and Teen Titans and bunches of great DC stuff. Stuff set in the Batman universe and other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, this is my favorite. All right. Well, listeners, this is your chance. If you want to go read uh, some abominable Charles Christopher before we get going, uh, you can go to uh, – let me get the actual web address. It it's is... abominable.cc, isn't it? 
Yes, abominable.cc, or if you just type in abominable Charles Christopher into your Google search bar, you will be taken to a link directly to uh, the website where every single uh, page of the Abominable Charles Christopher is available for you to read for free, or uh, there have been published at least one collected edition of the Abominable Charles Christopher. Todd, maybe you can check the recesses of your mind while I do the uh, spoilery synopsis uh, that you could purchase at protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. Um, yes. Will you tell our listeners about how far we we're going to talk about so that if they want to go back and listen and, and read, then they can know about how far to read before they come back and listen to the rest of the show. Yes. Uh, so as we said, uh, this started on June uh, in June of 2007, and we are doing a little bit more than a year uh, in terms of how much plot and uh, you know summary we're going to do, and, and for the purposes of this discussion. So from about June 2007, or, or going back to the very first uh, posted page of the comic through October 2008, is how far we're going to go. It's uh, there are two collected works. Okay, two books. All right. Well, here comes the full spoiler synopsis for anyone who has already looked at it or just says, I just want to hear these guys talk about. So Charles Christopher, a Yeti Sasquatch creature, is sitting under a tree when it starts raining. When there's a crack of thunder, he jumps up scared and he runs away. While Charles Christopher is curled up under a tree trying to stay dry, a bird flies up and tells him that there's a party at Vivol's. And I may mispronounce some of these names... I'm sorry if that happens. Uh, then Charles Christopher puts a pacifier in his mouth and <laughs> curls up in a fetal position. In the morning, a hungry Charles Christopher tries to go get some honey, but a boy, uh, a bee warns him away. And when he still keeps coming, the bee stings him right between the eyes. And he runs and dunks his head into a river where some fish swim up and comment about how nasty his sting looks. An interlude. Uh, the bird that Chol told Charles Christopher about the party, he's leaving his nest in the morning, and his wife tells him not to drink too much. And then <laughs> we cut so funny. <laughs> <laughs> then we also cut to Vival, uh, or well, the party, and we find out that Vival is a bear, and he looks super serious and intimidating. But all the other animals seem to be having a great time. There's a lot of revelry happening. He interrupts the party though to make a speech with a warning. But as he's getting into the warning, he is interrupted by a skunk that comes up and whispers into his ears, and he grumpily acknowledges that the food and refreshment was provided by Sissy Skunk from Bend in the River. Uh, then he continues on, saying that it is the turning of the season, and a terrible danger is coming. A rabbit is hopping innocently along when a bear trap almost closes on him. <laughs> Which, this is one of my favorite single panels. I love this. This, babbit, uh, this rabbit is up in the air, looking down with the giant cartoony panicked eyes, like, shooting out of his head, and there's uh -huh. a closed bear trap right underneath it. It's like, beautiful. And you get the clang, and the word balloon of him is just, Son of a... <laughs> with lots of exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great piece of art. And then we get a silent sequence of the rabbit going and telling Charles Christopher, like he's just pointing, like he finds Charles Christopher and he starts pointing. And then Charles Christopher goes and he grabs a stick and he beats the bear trap with the stick very violently. And then this is also one of my favorite images. Uh, it is too. Charles Christopher sitting and his eyes are closed. It looks like he's asleep and he's sitting on top of the closed bear trap and the rabbit is sleeping in his arms and Charles Christopher has a pacifier in his mouth. That's so beautiful. <laughs> And that night, uh, Charles Christopher hears some strange sounds, and he sees some glowing eyes, and he sets the rabbit very high up in a tree. 
And then we cut to another interlude where uh, the bird comes home to his uh, his nest and he's drunk from the party, from Beagle's party. And then Charles Christopher sees a path in the trees and he hears whispered voices coming from the darkness saying, come in, come in. And then Charles Christopher runs away in the other direction and the voices, <laughs> there's just a word balloon that says, sigh. <laughs> and as Charles Christopher is running, we cut to a grown owl and his son who watched Charles Christopher run crazily through the forest, smashing into things and falling down. The father says, son, I want you to look at something for a minute. What do you see? The son, this baby owl, says, I don't know, Dad. What is he? And the wise old father replies, an idiot, son. He's an idiot. Got no direction. <laughs> running around like that in circles. <laughs> then Charles Aww. Christopher falls down panting, and he sees a glowing bear approaching him. The glowing bear grows huge, like mystically huge, like this massive, like translucent glowing bear. And like it picks Charles. Bear. Yeah. Picks Charles uh, Christopher up into its giant paws and carries him away into the sky and then drops him onto a snowy mountainside. Charles Christopher pops his head out of the snow and he sees two mice walking by carrying all sorts of vegetation. <laughs> I love and, these mice. <laughs> and one of them is saying, first, and this cannot be overstated, use only the freshest ingredients. A good meal need not be complicated. Uh, and he, he jumps up out of the snow and he follows the mice. And as he's following them, he scratches his chest and out of his fur, he finds, he like, he finds a dead fish from when he stuck his head in the river. Uh, and he just smells it. And then we see the mice gathered around this bowl that's like bigger than all of them. And it's kind of got something simmering in it. And the mouse is saying, any fruit may be used in a compote. But remember, the flavor of black currants does tend to dominate. And just then Charles Christopher drops this dead fish into the dead center of this bowl. And it splashes <laughs> all over the mice. Uh, we cut to the alcoholic bird saying goodbye to his wife and he overhears her saying, eat your grub kids. I don't need to end up like your father. Oh, this bird, <laughs> his wife. It's sad. I love that funny. line. I don't want you to end up like your father. <laughs> um, and then we see Charles Christopher. He starts hiking up the mountain where he's been dropped and there's this very young, talkative, young, it's a wolf or a <laughs> fox. fox. What? It's like a, it's like a snow fox. Yeah. Um, we find out later that the, the fox's name is Townsend, just for simplicity. I'm calling him Townsend here. And he talks Charles Christopher's ears off. And it's just this boundless energy of childhood, right? You know, Did it kind questions. of remind you of, um, of Anne Shirley talking with Matthew? Yes, absolutely. When Matthew is writing uh, with Anne Shirley from the train station back home. Yes. Uh, from our Anne of Green Gables podcast, which is episode number eighty. Something. Six or 87. You can look in our archives, listeners, to find out. We'll, have a, we'll have a link in our show notes. Yes. Uh, but absolutely, it does feel a bit like that. Let's see. There comes a moment, though, where Charles Christopher is just kind of ignoring this wolf uh, or this fox and climbing up the mountain. And the fox says, I've got three older brothers. Yeah, we pretty much hang out all the time. And then we get this panel of somehow these two black dots in the in the fox's eyes look sad. So he's just said, I've got three big, uh, three older brothers. We hang out pretty much all the time. I don't know where they are. And then the uh -huh. next panel is Charles Christopher carrying uh, the the fox up the mountain. Uh -huh. uh, which to me, it's like, it's so simple, but it's a beautiful moment of storytelling. And yeah. says something about Charles Christopher in, mm -hmm. in that space between the panels, that gutter. Yes. You know, the, the reader has learned something. Yep. 
Uh, we cut to a sleeping Vival the bear and, uh, the moon bear that visited or the ghost bear that visited Charles Christopher, it shows up and gives Vival a kiss. And then we see a flashback to that's called the story of Vival and moon bear part one. And Vival is a bear cub in a cage at a circus and his mother is chained up and being made to perform tricks like dressed up in an absurd costume. And Vival's just looking out sadly from the bars in this cage. And then we get a scattering of random interludes with forest creatures. Um, the best one of these, or my favorite, is a cricket psychotherapist kind of analyst. <laughs> yes. Tell me about your mother. <laughs> yes. Where these animals come into, like, it's usually three panels of the animals just telling these really weird, complex things. And the cricket's saying something oftentimes like it seems nonsensical but then the other animal reacts in a way that says like they gained a huge insight <laughs> into this <laughs> moment um and then we, we after a few of these we cut back to charles christopher who after a lengthy climb reaches the top of the mountain where he finds a lion waiting for him and charles christopher buries his face in his hands is like scared of this lion and the lion says what manner of creature are you that you scale this mountain and then hide your face Mm-hmm. To which Townsend replies, don't worry, he does this all the time. <laughs> because we've seen uh, Charles Christopher be scared of many things. Voices, the wind, <laughs> um, yes. and now a lion. The lion tells Charles Christopher to look at him. And when he does, Charles Christopher imagines that the lion's mouth is a bear trap. And we have established that Charles Christopher does not like bear traps. He's scared of a lot of things, but those make him angry. And he picks up a rock and he runs at the lion. And just as he's about to hit the lion with the rock, the lion disappears. And then we cut to a few more interludes of the other forest animals, including a pair of bickering raccoons and the drunk bird (laughs) visiting the cricket (laughs) and getting some advice. Um, And then the lion reappears on the mountaintop and says he needs to show Charles Christopher why he is there. And Townsend keeps interrupting the lion with tangential questions, which it just reminded me of conversations with my four-year-old. <laughs> focus. We need to, we need to focus. So like the lion says something like, uh, I have watched, you know, over nature for a very long time. And then like Townsend pops up, his head pops into the frame or the panel of the comic. He's like, how long? And and his, his word, Townsend's word balloon is going over the lion's word balloon. So you can tell Townsend is, is interrupting, uh, you know, the lion's big dramatic speech. And you older then, than my grandmother. <laughs> yes. Townsend, <laughs> the lion's like a long time. He's like, are you older than your mom? And, and the lion just says, yes. And he starts going on. And then Townsend yells, are you older than my grandmother? <laughs> um, and then uh, the lion tells Charles Christopher that there's a city with a powerful king that will be threatening nature in their area. And Charles Christopher, as neither man nor beast, can help to protect nature. Like, he's kind of in this... Uh, it, something about Charles Christopher is special and makes him something that the lion can use. And the lion needs three things from Charles Christopher to help protect nature from this king. He needs a lock of the king's hair, a token of the king's faith, and the king's name. Those are the three things that Charles Christopher has to obtain. Uh, and just then a big storm hits and we, we again like bounce around to all the animals and see how they're dealing with this massive storm that's happening. Um, and one thing that happens though is Townsend runs off after these ghostly forms of his three brothers or like there's three foxes. And so we assume that it's brothers. Uh, and then uh, after Townsend's run away, Charles Christopher wakes up. I think he was, uh, he was huddled up sleeping and he goes looking for him and he finds Townsend dead. And we see a hunter's rifle, pointed uh, at Charles Christopher as he's leaning over Townsend's body. And that is where we're going to stop our summary (laughs) at this moment. All right.
And that gets us to then, what's the date on that? About October 2008. All right. Well done. Thank you. It's kind of all over the place. It's... Um, yeah, um, clicking the next. So the way you read the webcomic is you, you start on the page and there's either an arrow on the right or the left. If you want to go back and read the previous one, you click the one on the left or there's one on the right. Or down underneath the comic, there's um, a next button. And I I got into the rhythm of never knowing <laughs> what was going to come next. Was yeah. it going to be more of Charles Christopher? Was it going to be the drunk bird? Or was it going to be these... Uh, this pair of, of raccoons. I, how would you describe those raccoons? One of them is like really philosophical, and the other one is just like could not be bothered to have yes. a deep thought. But somehow his in his could not be botheredness, he is offering insights. <laughs> <laughs> the mice, the the uh, the culinary mice, and the uh, it's the, really oh the skunk that's trying to get ads in all the time <laughs> for for yeah, her for her, her food. food. <laughs> Yeah, it's very. I would, uh, I would say like it's very whimsical. Um, and there's a very kinda... eclectic class or, or, or cast of characters. I mean, a very... yeah, it's really charming. Um, I I would be in. I, I mean, I'm interested to see kind of where this story goes. It seems like, I mean, obviously it's gone on for what uh, eight more years. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what we talked about. So there's, I mean, there's plenty of. Uh, a, pl- a space for him to go. Um, and it, it would be interesting to see how Charles Christopher develops as a character as he goes on these adventures. Because yeah. I, like- we, I think we get a lot of kind of exposition of seeing what his character is like, but I don't think we see a ton of how he's going to be, what he's going to become. Yeah. What he's going to become. So what is he like now? Let's, um, let's start with that. If we're talking about Charles Christopher, this mute Yeti creature, who wanders through a lot of soundless panels of this comic while surrounded by a very, very verbose cast around him. What do we actually know about Charles Christopher? One of the things that that really stood out to me is, uh, and in part because we just posted an episode on uh, Till We Have Faces, in which we had a discussion about external beauty versus internal beauty and how for the Greeks, for the ancient Greeks, like those two things had to match up. And if not, it was, it was deceptive and really frustrating to them. And here we have like Charles Christopher's interior could not be more different uh, from his exterior. So on the outside, he's ugly. He's big. I mean, I think some people might think that he's kind of cute, but but I, I wonder if it's more a reaction to what we know about him than it is what, what he looks like. Because he really, he's got these big beady eyes and he's got this big, like, mustache thing. His like a walrus kinda... mustache kind of thing over his lip. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's, his head is, like you said, it's kind of shaped like a football. Um, he's got kind of he... a big gut. But, well, I don't know. He's kind of barrel chested, but at the same time, I don't know. It's... <laughs> Yeah, so physically he's he's kind of like strange and odd. Um, when he opens it, his mouth, his teeth uh, like there's big gaps between all the teeth. It's not like they're like crooked or anything. It's just oddly spaced teeth inside uh-huh. of his mouth. And so, so we have this exterior, and then on the inside, what do we know about him? Well, we know that he's mute. Like he never says anything, and that stands out because of how much everybody else talks. That's <laughs> in the forest. The bees talk. Yeah, it's very loud, and 
I mean, that's kind of interesting. Like, if you, I mean, I, I don't know. I've been in a forest before where if you just sit still, it's there's this kind of humming that comes from a forest, from you know birds and animals and uh, and insects, and it's it's almost like uh, like this author has given voice to that like that humming of the forest here. Uh, but but Charles Christopher is always completely completely silent. Maybe he's making a commentary on Sasquatch in general. <laughs> like you never see him; <laughs> he's so silent. Right, yeah, so, so giving voice to all of nature but it, by but choosing the Sasquatch to leave himself is the Sasquatch silent. It's it's saying something about about our relationship with Sasquatch. I have to say, I I mean, I have to say this thing. Uh, so the other day somebody said something about Sasquatch and I was like, man, we have YouTube now. Like there's got to be great Sasquatch videos on YouTube. Oh, it was because somebody was telling me about in Yellowstone. They're like, Hey, you, you saw the, the national park. Like they posted a video of Sasquatch in Yellowstone and that's like totally legit. And I'm like, what? So anyway, you can look it up. We'll put it in the show, <laughs> put it in the show notes, but it's just like, incredibly far away you see what looks like either people or sasquatch walking across like a snowy field <laughs> from a distance of like i don't know a half a mile or something <laughs> it's like really that's the best we can do with with like every person always has a phone with them and a camera and we get pictures of all kinds of amazing things and still no Sasquatch. I'm, I was I was quite disappointed. All right, here's here's my relationship with Sasquatch. I don't believe it's real, but I desperately want it to be real. <laughs> like this, <laughs> this idea of these these Bigfoot creatures. I don't think I like you. I kind of think we would have evidence by now if such creatures actually existed. But I really want them to exist. <laughs> and if evidence ever presented itself, I would 100 percent go all in in my celebration of Sasquatch existence. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm maybe just uh, like slightly further down the scale from you where I'm like, you know, you say, I don't think he exists, but I want him to. And I'm like, I don't think he exists, <laughs> but I really want him to. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, it's just, I think it's fascinating. I think it's a fascinating thing. Like our, our, um, this fascination that humanity seems to have with all of cryptozoology. I think cryptozoology in itself is just really, really interesting. And I'm a total sucker. so much. Oh man. Flying in with uh, like, it's so great. Like, I didn't, I don't want to get into this. Like, I'm not sure Bigfoot doesn't exist. (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. I just want him to like, like I want him to enough. I'm like, that I'm not gonna say I don't think. Same he with anything like the Loch Ness monster, the the Jersey Devil, any of those things. Oh yeah, things. totally, totally. Yeah, I'm Listeners, all in. If, if any of this sounds interesting to you, like this tangent, just listen to our upcoming Halloween episode. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll get plenty of it. No, I just think it's uh, I think it's fascinating that it's like the the human imagination seems to like coalesce in certain figures. And they have staying power, you know? I, I mean, I think that's really interesting. And, and then I think of something like Chupacabra, which we were discussing the other day, I think off the air. Yeah, it was but, in preparation when we were trying to brainstorm what we are going to do for our upcoming Halloween episode. 
our Halloween special is going to be really good, by the way, listeners. But um, but we were talking about Chupa, Chupacabra, and Chupacabra is a really recent uh, creature. Urban legend, kind of. Yeah. And we we get the sense that he's this ancient creature, but really it's like less than a dozen years old or something. There's an article I read a few years ago, and I want to say it pegged it as like the first actual recorded references to Chupacabra are in the 1990s, but I need to find that article to double check it. Yeah, I, I just, I'm totally fascinated by all of this. I can completely blow an afternoon if I get thinking about this, <laughs> as I did watching uh, Sasquatch videos. All right, but but certainly back to this Sasquatch and Charles oh, Christopher. I have to say one more thing about Sasquatch <laughs> is that my son, um, he, he said that for dinner the other day, um, he said, we're going to have potatoes and meat and Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh that's just what he calls it he says oh look dad they have sasquatch here at walmart <laughs> so uh now we can circle back okay um so like you said mute giant creature but he's two of the defining traits that we get so far i guess three things that stand out about him He's a coward, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he gets scared easily of uh, lightning, of wind, when he gets stung by a bee, even though he's this massive, supposedly terrifying uh, creature, he just panics full on. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, there's, uh, after he's stung, the panels are, like, him crossing from left to right while holding his face and then crossing from right to left uh, with his legs flailing, you know, in a cartoony kind of style. Uh-huh. Um, but he's also, uh, he seems quite empathetic, right? Yes, and so, hugely so, empathetic. So we get that both from him caring for Townsend, who, even though Townsend never really comes out and says it, you can tell is a lost, a lost fox in need of a friend, mm-hmm. in need of a mentor and a guide. Um, but also him dropping this dead fish into the mice's compote. Yes. I, I, that's him helping. Like they were gathering ingredients for this recipe mm-hmm. and in his, kind of innocent but wrong way he was trying to help out um and you know they the mice immediately complained about the smell of the dead fish and everything and it seems to have ruined everything but he was trying to add an ingredient to their meal yeah um, he is empathetic he's also um gentle i would say like there's a gentleness about the way that he scoops up that little bunny in his arms oh right and yes. then and then places it up in the tree um and I love, I just love the contrast uh, between the fierceness with which he destroys the the bear trap, and then the 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 you know, the tenderness with which he uh, holds that bunny rabbit in his arms. It's really, it's really beautiful. And we will get a link to that specific uh, panel uh, or uh, you know th- that posting that has him holding uh, the rabbit because that for me was my favorite image of the entire run that I read. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then also another thing that I would say about him is um, his innocence. That he's, I mean, you put a binky in Sasquatch's mouth, <laughs> right? Like there's something very childlike in in the way that he acts, which again contrasts with the way that he looks. He looks like an old man with a big mustache and kind of a big barrel chest, or 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 maybe sometimes kind of a belly <laughs> but then in the way that he acts it's it's very childlike with just flashes of 
this kind of fierceness when he uh, when he attacks the lion. We get the same kind of fierceness with which he attacked the 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 bear trap. Right, and this is what I was going to say. For the other thing that we kind of concretely know about him, it's that he hates bear traps. Yes. Um, yeah, he he just attacks this bear trap with a stick, and we start to see in some of these interludes with um, other animals that I kind of skipped over just to focus on the main storyline. There's a couple of them where the like the bear trap is starting to become more of a presence in the story. Like there are more and more bear traps, bear traps that seem to be being placed mm-hmm. around in this forest, and, then the, and the hunter's rifle. Yeah, and I had I. I know I've read far enough ahead that where we do see Charles Christopher like enter or, or approach the city and we, we see the king of the city who is, uh, it seems like a child that's wearing all this crazy armor. Um, when he comes really? out to, to attack Charles Christopher and there is a, one of my other favorite lines or, or scenes. Um, somehow I can't remember the sequence of how it happened, but Charles Christopher, I, I think he was carrying a chain on which a bear trap was attached and when the the king of the city came running out and the king's all voice is always like yelling like it's always all capital letters and giant word balloons that are squared <laughs> off and hard edges and he's he's challenging charles christopher and the king comes out with a sword which seems kind of incongruent in which we've seen like a hunter's rifle already but he comes out with a sword yeah. and somehow this bear trap chain swings and hits the king's sword and the sword breaks and the king yells you broke my sword with your stupidity <laughs> <laughs> Which I enjoy, like, I think that ties into something about, we said, this kind of um, innocence about him that he kind of almost accidentally wins this battle with uh-huh. something, you know, with this person who doesn't really want to fight the way that the only thing we've seen him want to fight is bear traps. Yeah. So what do you make of uh, Charles Christopher as a protagonist? Like, if we hold him up to, you know, compare him to... We 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 can't individually compare him to ninety other <laughs> characters that we've that talked we, about. Characters that we come across, but but over time we've we've come to notice some patterns. I think in in characters, um, does he fit any of those patterns? So I think there's a couple things that stood out to me. Um, like when he sees this path with the whispering voices saying, "Is it just come here? Is that what it was? Come in, come in." Mm-hmm. And then he turns and runs the other way. Like, hero's journey stuff, that is 100% just a rejection of the call. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, then, he gets picked up by Ghost Bear and dropped on a mountain. And he climbs up, which isn't the choice I would make <laughs> if I was stuck no, on a mountain. And it, then I mean, I didn't it feels want like it feels like Bruce Wayne climbing the snowy mountain to get up to the Ra's al Ghul's uh, fortress you know like i mean there's something very hero's journey in that climb up the mountain it's also very uh lord of the rings and uh climbing the what is it the misty mountains where they climb through the snow uh but but there's something very there is something very epic in the in the mount climbing the mountain and he gets up there and the lion is there and he's given a specific quest Yes, and that, and this is very like um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Aslan, right? There's this whole C.S. Lewis thing going on there, and then receiving three. This is very like to to receive three tasks. This is tapping into ancient patterns of storytelling. Um, so so it's. I, I mean, I I just think again, this the contrast in him is is perhaps what makes him most interesting to me as a character 
that there are moments where yes, he is a coward and yes, he gets stung by a bee and he runs around like a crazy monster. <laughs> and, and the owl provided commentary later on. This is a different incident. Uh, this is when he's running from the voices. I think is when the owl uh-huh. says he is an idiot, son. <laughs> like, yes. Look, tell me what you see. I don't know what that is. He is an idiot. He is an idiot. <laughs> and then he says, doesn't uncle so-and-so do that? And he says, uncle so-and-so is crazy. There's a difference. <laughs> But I, I just think this um, – anyway, this this contrast in his character between uh, the way that he acts with this this gentleness and the innocence and being mute uh, contrasts with the fierceness that he shows towards the bear traps. And you want you have to wonder at that point if there's some kind of history. Like was he was he caught in a bear trap or did somebody he loved – was or, somebody he uh, loved lost in a bear trap? I mean, or... I'm I'm going to guess, and I have not read like I've I've read one or two more parts of the story of Vivol's past, where you know it, it jumped to the bear being inside of the circus cage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering if there's going to be some Time. parallel with um, Vivol's. You know, but it seems like his mother was trapped and abused at this. Uh, circus, and I'm wondering if somehow Charles Christopher's like parents had some similar, you know, violence done upon them by a bear trap. Right. The other thing that's interesting about Charles Christopher is that he's alone. I mean, like, where mm-hmm. are all of the other Sasquatches? Yes, because uh, pretty much all the other animals, I think we see multiples. Even the rabbit, I think we see a couple of rabbits at the party. If I'm remembering correctly. Uh, possibly. I can't remember for sure, but but. But he is very much alone. Yeah. As Sasquatches oh. tend to be, except for the ones that were in Yellowstone. They were, there were, there were about three or four of them together. Oh, in that, in that family one? <laughs> okay. Uh, just adding to, <laughs> I remember where I've, se- I've seen some other rabbits. I'm pretty sure. Uh, as you read on past the point that we reached, there, one of the interludes becomes, um, a troop of actor animals that are putting on place. <laughs> but they start to put on things like the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> so you you get a rabbit that's like doing a very paunchy face and trying to like drag down its face to look like the godfather and yes. it's muttering its lines oh so gosh. i have seen other rabbits later on uh that's maybe a year later from where we were i think is uh-huh. when i came across uh, you know just periodic interludes of animals doing their their theater and like you get shots of other animals sitting in the crowd, and someone's always complaining, like, this isn't any good. <laughs> and I was like, shh, I'm really into it. I should never bring you to the theater. <laughs> I think it's also interesting to think about with Charles Christopher the fact that he is neither man nor beast. Like, this is why he's chosen for this quest, is that he sits in this liminal space between humanity and the monster. And, I mean, that may be part of our... You know, humanity's fascination with Yeti and the Sasquatch in general is that there's something uh, familiar and yet uh, like monstrous about 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 that, and the fact that they walk on two legs, and that there they there seems to be I don't know some varying levels of intelligence in in the Sasquatch. I think makes it a kind of a fascinating creature. One, I mean, okay, we're we're heading away from this and going to cryptozoology a little bit more. But it seems like it, that kind of creature, that monstrous man, that's you know, well, like you said, walking mm-hmm. on two legs but covered with fur, um, and you know, living out in the elements. It's 
not uh, specific to any one area of the world. Like, a lot of areas of the world have the same kind of uh, legends about such creatures. Right, and this is the other thing. I mean, getting back to this story, I think it makes him an interesting character in the same way that uh, Orwall is an interesting character until we have faces. It's this question of identity and this fluid identity and how a character can be made interesting by by placing a character either by race or gender or um, a job or yeah, I mean there are lots of ways that our authors can mark a character as liminal and in this case he's done it by making him Sasquatch <laughs> but uh, but it's an inter- I mean it's an interesting place for a character to be in and allows for characters to have interesting relationships with a variety of other characters. I think it allows for growth in interesting ways, um, and it also allows for uh, like introspection on the part of a character. And a lot of what a lot of Western culture is about finding the self, right? Like finding a sense of self and a sense of identity, and that there's redemption that comes in that. And that Don Quixote says to Sancho Panza, like. Uh, you must come to know yourself and that that's the hardest of all of the things to know is to come to know yourself. And, uh, and I think that to create a character like Charles Christopher, who is neither man nor beast and is both man and beast, uh, allows for interesting possibilities that I don't, I don't think get completely explored here. Uh, but there's certainly possibility for exploring issues of identity. Well, and like we've said, we are, Dealing with one year of a decade-long run at this point, right? Right. Uh, and I'm confident. I mean, it seems like that's where he's headed. When the lion says, you are neither man nor beast, and so you must go and do these things. I can imagine Charles Christopher... I mean, I can imagine a, a version of this where Charles Christopher goes and and is has to kind of confront the humanity that's inside of him and also confront the, the monstrous side of him. He may also... It may just be a joke and like... You know, his whole journey lasts one panel, and yeah. he, you know, I, I don't know how it goes, but I can see the potential for an interesting character because he is both one thing and the other. Yeah, um, and talking about uh, these things that are both, you know, that are multiple things at once, uh, to me it's really interesting that uh, as far as we've read, uh, you know, the presence of humans is just... Uh, the sight of a city in the distance and also this gun peeking out from the bushes, which, uh-huh. um, it, that reminded me a lot of Bambi. <laughs> they, uh, uh-huh. the, the way, the, you know, when you see Townsend lying in this pool of blood and uh, Charles Christopher leaning over him and there's still this, this rifle that's pointed at that scene. Um, it, when uh, I think AFI, the American Film Institute, did a ranking of the greatest villains in film history, they put Man in Bambi as one of the top ten, if I remember <laughs> right. Uh, and it does, like like we've said, it uh, it does something with the the issues of identity, right? Like we're humans reading this, we should identify with the humans, but yes, uh, very much uh, the human isn't seen on the panel, but they're left as this kind of monstrous other. That's I'm so glad that you nature. brought this up. Um. <laughs> Two things. One is the man should not be pointing a gun at Charles Christopher. He should be pointing his cell phone and taking a video. <laughs> well, okay. This is um, 
I, I've read further along than you. When when Charles Kissinger goes to the city, like it's very incongruous that we have this rifle because the city feels very much like a uh, like a pre pre industrial revolution kind of city. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, you know the king who. By the way, we we never really see a human in the city, at least as far as I've gone. And when the king comes out, like he's wearing this crazy, almost tribal mask, and he's got this weird huh. armor that's borrowing, uh, you know, bits and pieces from all sorts of cultures all over the world. And I think you see like flesh of his arms, but that's about it. Uh, Interesting. So you don't, you still don't see a human, at least as far as I've read. So he, the the humans are dehumanized. Yes, very much. Uh, like when. Uh, he's approaching the city. The commentary that we get is you see word balloons of the king yelling, but you, I think it's cats, like alley cats around the city are talking about what's happening around huh. them. Interesting. The other thought that I had was just about st- stories that are personifications of animals in general. Uh, and why do we do that? Like, why do, why do we write stories in which we dehumanize humans and humanize animals what do we gain from that uh i think besides just delight yeah I, well i think there's uh the kind of a whimsy that can be present in those stories that mm-hmm. uh transports us into another area i think there's natural curiosity about like what is <laughs> the inner lives of these animals that are around us all the time uh be it uh-huh. house cats that definitely have personality to them and seem to treat humans with a lot of disdain but what is actually going on (laughs) inside of their heads. And so authors can start to play with that. And, uh, you know, I think it's natural to also carry that, uh, you know, even further out into nature and say, what is, you know, these creatures that are all around us and all around the world, uh, you know, what, what is, is there anything more going on than just instinct? I think one of the reasons that frequently humans are made the villain in these stories is that there is a pro- nature preservation message that comes within these. They want you to form an, the uh, a goal is to form an attachment with nature and, mm-hmm. um, to raise issues or at least concerns about, you know, the very real damage <laughs> that has been done yeah. to, to biospheres. I mean, there are animals that are extinct that did not used to be extinct. And a lot of those because of choices that humanity has made. I'm not saying that humanity needs to give up, you know, our places to live progress, you know, our progress, but maybe being a little more mindful is something, uh, that we could afford to be. And a lot of these kinds of stories, I think have that message embedded within them. Uh, Okay. So if we look back at the shows that we've done, what other stories have we, have we covered or characters that are not human? Uh, we've got mouse guard. Yes. Uh, and mouse and mouse, which, is yes and no <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, are they human or not? We had Calvin and Hobbes, which had the stuffed tiger mm-hmm. that was a real to him. a bird. Big bird. A bone, which were the whatever <laughs> bone creatures. Oh, were. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, and like, Watership Down. Just... Watership Down was the other big one. That was... And Watership Down. So let's think about, like, uh, you have um, Mouse Guard, Mouse Watership Down and Charles Christopher. Those are all really different approaches to the person, the humanization, anthropomorphism. That is an extremely difficult word to pronounce. 
the humanization of animals. The, all of these stories have really unique approaches to that. So in Mouse Guard, you have this fantasy thing, and the animals are all running around, uh, and they're dressed in armor. Um, no humans. Yeah, the, in, the world doesn't in have humans Mouse, at all. Yeah, in Mouse, you have... You just take a, a, a context in which humans would normally be uh moving about and you create you turn the humans into animals basically right yeah it's a real story but you are presenting it with uh animals in place of the actual real life human characters that in uh you know the the story was about um right so those i mean those are probably the most humanized of the animals in this and then in uh you've we said so we said mouse guard mouse Watership Down. Watership Down, we talked about, is are like biological wild animals that have been given thought and speech. Right? Yes, but they still maintain their short lifespan. There's Humans are still acting like humans all around them. Mm-hmm. And then this story in which, um, like, where would we put this on that <laughs> scale? Because <laughs> the animals don't act like animals, really. I mean, they, they're drawn like animals. They're drawn like animals, but they don't act like animals. No, they're making, you know, uh, <laughs> really complex foods, and they're throwing parties, and one of them's an alcoholic, and there's a cricket that's a psychotherapist. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I think it's interesting to see different approaches uh, to the same thing, or the, or the same medium being applied perhaps for wildly different ends. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I totally uh, am on board with your, this idea of like the, the environmentalism, the message about that we need to take care of the environment and the animals. Uh, certainly we get that in Watership Down. And, and I think we get that here. I, I, I would uh, say it's a major theme of it, but, it, or at least, so I guess, because they do, I mean, the line does say, like, there's the city that's going to be encroaching on nature. So there, AI, it may become a major theme. For what we have so far, it's not being enacted as a major theme, but from what the line tells us, it, it's going to be a significant part of this work, I would say. It'll be interesting to see further along um, how humans, like the role of humans, if they all are dehumanized and kind of uh, monsterified. <laughs> they turn into monsters uh or if we see like is the case in watership down if we are able to see humans who are also kind and um i mean that would be something i would have my eye out for as i read further along well and i th- this story i think um i th- i think we see within charles christopher that you can have both of those at once in the same character um because he is monstrous mm-hmm. towards those things that anger him at the same time as he's really uh, caring and empathetic for some creatures like the rabbit and Townsend. Uh, but he's also kind of victimized by really small creatures like the bee <laughs> can get the best of him, uh, and, you know, and cause him to panic. And so there's, you know, a multitude of ways can be seen within a single creature. And as we've seen multiple animals out there uh, of different you know, kinds of animals, like the birds aren't all the same, the the raccoons mm-hmm. aren't all the same. So I would imagine we'll see some different portrayals of humans, but 
there's just not a whole lot to see so far in this first yeah. year of the Obama World Charles Christopher. One would imagine all thing, all signs point to there being, you know, an interesting uh, presence of humans, but I don't know. I mean, it would be, it would certainly be something I'd have my eye on. All right. Well, any final thoughts, Todd? Um, no, I really like him. Like, I feel like, uh, Charles Christopher is a kind of character that I, will have on my mind for a while and it, it it feels to me like the kind of thing that kind of out of the blue i'll go huh that's kind of like charles christopher <laughs> <laughs> um and i imagine that, that i i suspect that there's every possibility that this that this character could become kind of a touchstone for us like i imagine weeks or months from now us looking back on this conversation and maybe understanding a little bit more clearly what's going on here or, or being able to understand something else because we've had this conversation. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Um, certainly there are episodes in our podcast where we've talked about the characters and I think we had a really good conversation, but it never has come up again. And there are some others yeah. where it kind of, you know, we do frequent callbacks, uh, to certain, I mean, ones. I love a stereos polyp, but we don't, we don't end up talking about him every week. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but there are characters like Kilkenny, for example. It just seems like almost every time we, almost every time we we talk, we end up talking about Kilkenny. Um, and I can see Charles Christopher kind of being one of those characters that we come back and and think about in the future. And listeners, the great thing is, if this sounded interesting to you, you can go read all of it for free online. Yes. Yeah. Again, it's uh, abominable.cc, or just you could Google uh, abominable Charles Christopher to find that. Uh, so I think that will wrap up this episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast on iTunes. And please leave us a review or even just a star rating. It is very easy to do, and it does help us out. Links to things we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. And that will include links to some of the specific images that we said we really enjoyed from this webcomic and you can find a list of all 90 previous shows that we have done. And you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. Uh, you can follow at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, and at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Our Facebook fan page is at facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We've had a lot of great interactions there. Please go and like that Facebook fan page so you can see all our links and follow the discussions that happen. If you would like to support the show financially, there are a few different ways you can do that. You could buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a uh, monetary donation by clicking on the support link on our homepage or just going to patreon.com slash protagonists and we really appreciate all of our patrons all supporters on patreon uh receive access to a special quick cast episodes which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films or talk about upcoming or trailers for upcoming films you can also go to protagonistpodcast.com slash amazon to make all of your amazon purchases and just a reminder it looks like regular amazon and it costs you nothing but we get a small kickback for you using that link and finally don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist thank you again for listening and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long so long
It's getting worse, Todd. <laughs> that word is not coming out tonight. I'm the humanization. Oh, I wanna, no, no, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not even going to take it. One more. One more. Anthropo. Anthropo. Anthropomorphization. 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 I landed there at the end. Didn't sound smooth. Anthro. Anthropomorphization. Is it physation or physation? Physation. Wait, is it a hard eye or? I've heard it both ways. Anthropro. Anthropo. Anthropomorphization. That is a 